The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 weeks gone. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Off the Ball Daily. Welcome along to Monday night's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock as we pick through the weeds of that weekend and there is no shortage of, well, exciting football to talk about. Firstly, Arsenal. Any doubters out there anymore? Eight points clear at the top of the Premier League table as we head for the halfway stage. They beat Spurs comfortably in the North London derby. Manchester United, what a turnaround from the last Manchester derby. Uh, five straight league victories, just one defeat in 11 in the Premier League since that game at the Etihad after coming from behind controversially to beat City on Saturday. Philippe Clare and Jonathan Wilson coming up on the football show. And what about Everton? Absolute crisis on the pitch and off the pitch as well. Their director is advised not to turn up for the match at the weekend. Uh, Dominic King's going to join us at half past seven to see what's going on and, and where Everton go from here. And after eight o'clock, uh, we'll reflect on all the weekend's rugby and we'll talk about Eddie Jones going back to Australia as well. Let us know what you were watching. Let us know what excited you over the weekend. 53106 is the text number. Add off the ball if you want to get in touch on social media. Richie McCormick is with us. Evening, Richie. Nathan, how are you? I'm all right. And Mick McCarthy is alongside me in the studio. How are you? Nathan, you're three days early for work. <laughs> Listen, Monday, the big show. Delighted to get the opportunity. The big the big nice yeah. to have you. Nice good to, have good to be here. Us. Good to be here. How was your weekend? It was sport-filled. Sport-filled? Do you know last last week was one of those awful sporting weekends where you're kind of... FA Cup. Yeah, well, the FA Cup, even the FA Cup was fine, but it was just, there was no... Everything was unessential last weekend. And then you come into this week and it was like, you couldn't move for between... I think the Champions Cup, Premier League, the best Premier League weekend in a long, long time, and NFL playoffs. I don't know if that's a, that's a floats a few boats, I would imagine. Um, so that, that's your nights gone for Saturday and Sunday night, anyway. And then the next uh, how, morning, how late when you're do you stay up? Because up. I was, um, I was at the Soccer Writers Awards were on on Saturday night, and yeah. I was half watching the NFL out of the corner of my eye at about one a.m. And then I got home just before two and thought, I'll stay up for a little while and watching this. And then you wake up in the morning and go, this this is why I stopped watching. I stopped watching. <laughs> I'll tell you why I stopped watching NFL. Because when I was over in England at Premier League games, I'd arrive back into my house at about 1am on a Sunday night from Perfect the airport. Perfect yeah. But then you sit down, you watch it, and it's half three and you're up with the kids. And so I said, I'm done with NFL. I'm just going to stick to the golf on a Sunday night. So yeah, am I missing one of the great seasons? Not particularly, but it has the potential to turn into one now. It was a brilliant weekend. They weren't, they weren't, uh, not that we're going to spend too long on this, but we weren't expecting it to be such a good weekend. There was a lot of what seemed to be one-sided games, and it ended up a, a lot of classics, including one, a comeback from the Chargers were beating uh, the Jags 27 nothing at halftime. That game is basically over, and Jags came back and won it with a last-second field goal. Uh, so there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, really, really entertaining. I don't stay up as late as I used to. I find that I might just hit record or else watch like the highlights the next morning of the game that I fell asleep during. Uh, yeah, those days are gone, Nathan. I like not only the, I used to fall asleep halfway through the late late game. Now I'm falling asleep halfway through the medium game, the half 11, 12 o'clock one. The Hawaii swing in golf used to be my favourite time of the year where you you sort of felt like it was only the hardcore nerds who'd still be up at <laughs> half two in the morning watching the Sony Open. But that is beyond me now as well. And I think with it's a sad time. Sony it's Open, a sad time. You have to leave it to the youth. We have to get them in here to tell us what's been happening in these uh, middle of the night games. You're but I remember a time when I would stay up like I was like working at a pub and I would come home and I would watch baseball. Like just like regular season <laughs> baseball, one of a hundred and sixty-two games, and I would watch it till four or five in the morning. 
Uh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to America in a few months uh, with the kids and I want to obviously uh, include some sporting events. Uh, they're soccer mad so they want to go see the MLS and I'm like, it's kind of just going to be like any soccer game you see. So uh, they really want to go to basketball. They're not convinced on the baseball. Is, is there a way of convincing a 10-year-old that baseball... I'm like, you can you can have as much Coca-Cola as you it's want. It's the food. It's is that the, food the only thing to keep them going? The uh, yeah, that, it's, a, it's a kind of a three-hour sort of treat extravaganza. Like I went with the spend some quality time with your father line, and that that didn't. No, that's not going to work. Okay, no. yeah, they could buy some cool Is it as intense entertainment? You will spend a fortune, a but game? they'll enjoy it. Okay, yeah. Is it as intense a entertainment experience as a basketball game? I find that you, I've been to games where that you'll watch it and it's good and it's a proper game, but the the generic kind of like Tuesday night in the middle of the season. 90% of people are barely watching the game. Okay. <laughs> They're just there for the atmosphere. And it is fun. It is. A, uh, like, I would, you know, if the lads were here now, I'd tell them, lads, you got to be going. But I don't know how much they're going to be watching any baseball. All right. What are uh, we talking about? I don't know. I just I was just uh, getting a bit of research there for a... a Nathan just wanted to drop that he's going off to America in a few weeks. No, I just wanted to get a bit of research like, to see what I should do when I'm there. Uh, the basketball, I did... I, I, I did, I did, I did we did Knicks, uh, Knicks Celtics seven years ago when I was in New York. In, in Madison Square Garden and that was great it, like, but like any basketball match unless, like, unless it's very one-sided it's just going to come down to the fourth quarter when it actually matters anyway yeah. Um, so yeah but it's interesting like, the, the whole packaging of a sporting occasion in America is completely different to anything we're used to here so literally I, even an MLS match I'd imagine will be in stark contrast mm. to what they're usually getting in, in Tala uh, your lot so yeah I, it, <laughs> it'd be it'd is be is that good or great. bad are they going to see, going no, to see no, teams genu- trophies every, every well, team has to go to uh, but like no I just think the MLS generally uh, because of the audience that they're trying to garner over there and have been trying to garner for the last 30 years nearly uh, they do have to up the entertainment stakes a little bit so it's a little bit more razzmatazz um, even not as much as the old NASL but still worth a shot where are you going? Uh, I'm going to be around Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta loads, MLS yeah. is actually great. Apparently, mm. yeah. they're, they're they get cool huge crowds. Base, yeah. yeah. All right, oh, so the, there's a Atlanta few different. Braves I've been, looked. There's yeah. yeah, the Braves are playing Atlanta, when I'm there. What a strange place to go on holidays. Listen, here we are. Yeah. I'm not telling. I'm not revealing any more details. <laughs> honest. Sorry, is this in April? I'm not revealing any more details. You're going to Georgia in April. It's a family vacation to Atlanta, great sporting city. It's all about Great Irish right, memories okay. there, of course. As okay, well. what, 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 all I'm saying. Right. Uh, anyway, sporting highlights of the weekend. Uh, talking points. Um, so the North London derby. I think Arsenal were obviously very impressive. Uh, the Manchester derby. Uh, the offside decision. There <laughs> we go. Dear yeah, God, we will talk about the football. I'm glad of the wonders of uh, modern media. I was making a point to a friend of mine afterwards uh, about the offside and the letter of the law. And There's no letter of the law. He clearly interferes with play. And I was saying, if, imagine if you were to be able to take Rashford out of the entire situation mm. and just watch it. Do you think everyone would move in the exact same way? There's absolutely no chance they would. And therefore, he's affecting it. And thankfully, somebody actually was able to do that. Take yeah. Rashford out and watch it. And uh, Akanji looks like he's hobbling along because he's not running in a straight line at all. Ederson is looking at Rashford rather than looking at Fernandez. Uh Listen, the offside rule, we've seen the Salah goal recently where the defender heads it back and Salah's a mile off. This was the most ridiculous decision we'll see all season. Yeah, what I was most grimmed out about actually was the... Look, I mean, you can't be really surprised anymore, but the way fans respond based on how it affects their, you know, team. So it's like Manchester United fans are like, cry more or, you know, pointing out to Peter Cech about it off... Who's giving out about the rule. 
about an offside decision in 2010. And like this is like blue tick journalists, Manchester United fans who are doing this. Like it's absolutely pathetic, right? But forget about all that. Like that that that's just the annoying part of it. But the actual rule part of it that's like you're seeing people saying uh, uh, praising Marcus Rashford's role in the goal while also saying you know he didn't interfere with play the rules of rules people by the way are the worst people in sport the kind of people the letter of the law the letter of the law says common sense says that Marcus Rashford was running with the ball and just so didn't happen to touch it he actually dummied it at one stage how is that not interfering with the play like, it's actually so dumb. So it's two things. It's like, one, he is interfering with play, and I don't, you can have an interpretation by the letter of the law, whatever way you want, right? So the referee should have disallowed it. Mm. But two, the fact that the law is so, gives him that out, is so ridiculous. Like, it's these idiots writing a game, trying to make a simple game complicated, and therefore tying themselves up in knots, and getting and all these scenarios happen that they can't envision because they don't actually understand football. And no, you then, can't, then you a referee can allow a goal where. And by the way, Marcus Rashford later in the game, if it happened, right, cross comes into him, uh, the paint of his boot is offside, doesn't in any way give him any advantage or anything like that, and he headers it into the goal. That goal is disallowed. But when he has an advantage of like three feet that he's offside by, and Fernandez scores the goal, that's not deemed an advantage. You know what I mean? That's how broken. Like think about what the hell is offside for? I'm on a full on rant now. I'm gonna. Well, back. no, but there's no consistency. If if Bruno Fernandez has a shot from 30 <laughs> yards out and Marcus Rashford is in an offside position and it's in front of the goalkeeper, it'll be ruled out because he's interfering with play. Yeah. But he can almost shield the ball, just guide it into the path of Bruno Fernandez, and somehow that's not interfering with play. Yeah, it's not nonsense. to mention that the, you're you're talking about the, the city defender like chasing him instead mm. of going to Fernandez. He also stepped up to play him offside. It was a defensive move. Mm. That did it. So that's necessarily then he's on the back foot, having done his job and played Rashford offside. Absolutely stupid. And by the way, I just, I just, this isn't about Man United and Man City. The best thing to happen for a neutral in that match was City to lose it and give Arsenal. People feel that Arsenal need eight points for it to be an actual title race. Further it is now, the closer it will be in May. That's what you know what I mean. It's the, mm. the neutral wanted United to win that game. It's nothing to do with that. So stop with the kind of. Uh, anti-United sort of element of it and just understand that sometimes you just want what's right in the game. Arsenal are eight points clear now. City, again, had moments in the game where they looked quite good and did look at 1-0 as if we might reflect it and go, City, not at their very best, but, you know, the experience of champions. And yes, Manchester United have improved since the 6-3, but probably still a bit uh, a way off. The fact that City can't get any form at all is... I think a large part of the reason that people feel maybe Arsenal can actually go and see this out. I, a large part of me, just for, again for my own joy, wants me to see Arsenal go 10 points clear with eight games left and have a full-on Kevin Keegan moment, just for the joy for the neutral towards the end of the season. Yeah. But bloody hell, they were impressive yesterday. Like, yeah. it's a North London derby, Tottenham are paying to play, play against... And it was just so comfortable. And there's such a consistency to their level of play and the level of their attacking play, like Odegaard and Saka. Martinelli was a bit quieter, but Enketia slips in. Chaka's been exceptional defensively. There's nothing really there. If they don't win it, they're going to be there until the last fortnight of the season, at the very least, which is, I think, what everybody wants. Uh, and City, 
I don't know, like City play Spurs on Thursday night, Arsenal play United, like this could extend rather quickly. Uh, 53106 is the text number. Uh, that's why football, soccer has laws rather than rules. Laws are generally open to interpretation, rules are not. Uh, Nathan, if there's games on, go to an ice hockey game. I've been to an ice hockey game many years ago in Tampa Bay, which was, it's, it's very similar to the basketball experience. There's mm. a game going on. Oh, brilliant. It's not really relevant to the outcome of the entire season, but there's a whole lot of excitement yeah. and entertainment. And great fans go to ice hockey games. Mm. They're really hardcore. Went to one in LA, well, Anaheim, whatever, for the, the Ducks. And uh, it went to like double overtime sh- or shootout, I think. And it was just class. But again, it was just like one, it was a mid-season game that probably didn't matter. But you kind of enjoy the night for what it is then. Not everything is always about it's the showbiz, race. Maybe. No, but it's it's a kind of a nicer sport in in a, in a way because the the game is about the game as opposed to worrying about where you are in the table the entire time or what the context of it is in a wider sense. Hey guys, for the United goal, the offside rule should always benefit the attacking team. The main fault is clearly with the defenders not playing to the whistle, which is commonplace now. At least Pep acknowledged that. Brian Clough also famously said, "If players can't interfere with play, then why the hell are they on the pitch?" says Peter in Cork. You see... But sure, you can't if, interfere with play so if what, you're in an so offside if Akanji, position. So if Akanji decides, actually, I'm just going to sprint after this for Bruno Fernandes and Rashford's in his way and he literally just clatters him and throws him out of his way, does everyone go fine? It was, you know, Rashford shouldn't have been there. No, funny enough, that's how messed up the rule was. Rashford would... Akanji could be, like, VAR'd for a red hmm. card and it would be ruled out because Rashford would be offside and interfering with play. You know what I mean? That that's I I think anyway isn't no that I think what I think no no if the, the sorry, foul if he, can't happen no, because no. there's an offside if it was violent conduct he'd be sent off anyways okay regardless but if he had fouled Rashford and there was no red card or yellow card it would have been stopped the free kick would free be kick City. would have been overturned for offside yeah. so he would have been better off fouling him than just standing behind him and letting it run through but okay I I get to play the whistle thing and I actually do agree with the the that the rule should benefit the attacking team right but this isn't. <laughs> that's not what this is the rule was he had a, again the whole problem with offside at the moment is it's so like binary you either are or you aren't and people really get angry about that because that that's how they define it but it should be more is there an advantage or is there's a reason the offside rule is there and it's not because players are standing you know with with a shoulder offside but that's fine. I that's, don't that's mind the way the being offside that. by a millimetre. Like, there has to be a line somewhere. Grand, okay. I think the ticker lines was a good idea. They haven't gone ticket off, whatever. But I just don't, I don't like the idea of just ruling out goals for the sake of it because a video is... Te- like, a linesman knows the difference between on and off mm. if, it's an, if it's an advantage. Do you see what I mean? And this was an advantage. It clearly is. And just because you didn't touch the ball doesn't change anything. Uh, we'll get to the news round in just a moment, but... Uh, the highlight of the weekend for a lot of people was at Crow Park yesterday, uh, the All-Ireland Junior Final. Never before has there been such interest and hype around a All-Ireland Junior Final. And David Clifford delivered as ever, 11 points, and was sent off six red cards between Fossa and Stewartstown. I, I feel sorry for everybody involved because like junior games, you know, they're meant to just sort of take place and nobody takes too much notice of them. And everyone could tear lumps out of each other and they just move on with their lives. But now David Clifford rocks up and suddenly the eyes of the world are on them. Six people are sent off and they're going, what are you expecting? Now listen, there was <laughs> some moments of uh, absolute tuggery, uh, particularly the hit on uh, Paulie Clifford, which was a disgrace. I was following it on Twitter. I was doing commentary of the Chelsea game. But uh, the Paulie Clifford speech at the end of the game. Uh, to the referee and to his officials, um, uh, obviously a very a tough game there to ref at the end. Um, 
a good, good job on other, other than the when I was probably sent off. Uh, uh, not just uh, unbelievable how I was sent off. Um, and so, so but, but, but a, great, a great job all around. <laughs> I, I love how he's just talking as he's thinking. Unbelievable, oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, one of the great Crow Park speeches. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, all I could, I actually didn't see it live, and then all I could see was my Twitter feed lighting up with "and now to liars." And like, it know, would be brilliant if, if you had it. And I'll tell you, that. you know, we won by three points. But if Johnny had passed me the ball, we would have had a goal early in the match. My own teammate out to screw me. Uh, he's going to be on the show tomorrow night, so we can uh, find out his thoughts on uh, the entire game. And I know some people look at the hit he took, and Jesus, it was absolute savage. You know, was he a little bit concussed when he got up there, and uh, he was trying to think of his feet that wasn't coming to him as quickly as possible. And should you be criticising referees like that? Did feel like it was said with a little bit of humour. I think so. Oh, I think I, 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 I think so. I think he was having a bit of a laugh there. You know, um, I hope I hope we can enjoy that. I hope we can accept that. Something like that is a bit of fun uh, when he's getting the Cup for an All-Ireland title for his club now. Yeah. Is it something we have to take too seriously it's a definite, and say you shouldn't be talking about referees? It's a definite cheat code having David and Paulie Clifford on a junior football team. Well, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Uh, Richie, let us get to the news round, which is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. So some uh, rather interesting rugby news came through late last night. Ah. Are you back, really? Richie? Oh, you're I'm back. back. You just dropped off for a split second. Uh, Eddie Jones has been appointed as Australia's head coach, replacing Dave Rennie, effective as of the 29th of this month. It ends Rennie's spell in charge, having replaced Michael Checker at the end of 2019. Under Rennie, the Wallabies had won just five of their last 17 outings, losing to Ireland, France and Italy during November alone. Jones' new deal ties him to the Australia job until 2027, and he could face his former employers, England, as soon as the quarterfinal stage of the Rugby World Cup. Yes! Ah, brilliant. I'm all for this. Ah, I've got to say, I'm a, I like Eddie Jones. I don't like what he's about. I don't think it feels a little bit uncomfortable saying you like Eddie Jones because he's you know, not a great person and the way he treats his staff and the way he treats his players and his coaching methods seem so outdated. Mm. Yet, eight months out from a World Cup, Gatlin back, Eddie Jones back. Sort of spicy one. Sort of. Oh, this is brilliant for the game. Like It's brilliant for the interest in the World Cup brilliant for the interest that we'll have in Australia which is like another team a team that we don't think about all that often I think anymore uh, so yeah this was I saw this news and started like maniacally laughing last night <laughs> it's just like even the immediacy of it all like it's just like you're gone uh, Eddie's back in there's a, there's a real uh, window to feel sorry for Dave Rennie here because he was quoted as recently as last week this day last week and I had it on the Rugby Daily pod he was asked about Eddie Jones coming on board and he said, well, I don't think anything's changing before the World Cup. Um, <laughs> and he hadn't spoken to Hamish McLennan, uh, the chairman of Rugby Australia, nor the chief executive recently, he said. But as far as I know, nothing's changing prior to the World Cup. And you're just kind of going, mate, you should have picked up the phone sooner and saw this going. Uh, there was an interview with Eddie Jones as well. Donald McRae did it in The Guardian, where he was asked about potentially going on board with somebody else, whoever, whether it's Australia or something else. And he's really curtly in that Eddie Jones way said, I'm not an assistant coach, mate. So, <laughs> mate, this this has been lethal. Yeah, very Eddie Jones like, I think. Really. Yeah, I think there's a definite sense in Australian rugby that they need him 
on the pitch and they need to have a rapid fire turnaround of fortunes and he's going to be there for the Lions tour as well and he's going to be there for the next World Cup in Australia but also rugby union's in absolute crisis off the pitch it's losing ground rapidly to league to AFL and that maybe just the persona and the ego and the gravitas that Eddie Jones brings it they might start getting a little bit more attention over there as well yeah, possibly. It's been losing ground forever. Is the, is the truth? But uh, yeah, certainly they seem to they they've in financial crisis. So somebody that's going to get them in the news constantly is probably not a bad thing. Uh, news from both both Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers. But which of them do you think is higher up on the news round? You have to go with uh, the the better known name, Nathan. And Bohemians have confirmed the appointment of Pat Fenlon as the club's new director of football. Bo's former player and manager served in a similar capacity with Waterford before taking on the general manager job at Linfield four years ago. Fenlon says he'll oversee football operations at Bo's along with the club's board. Well, as you mentioned there, Shamrock Rovers have signed Estonia international midfielder Marcus Palm. The 23-year-old joins on a season-long loan from Flora Tallinn. Palm is the son of former Derby County and Arsenal goalkeeper Matt Mart and already has 15 international caps to his name and continues the influx as well uh, of internationals from Estonia over the past couple of weeks. I saw the name Poom and I thought, oh, it must be uh, Mark Poom's brother. Mark Poom is a son old enough Oh, you're to play way older than you think football. you are. <laughs> I know, it's 23. Uh, 23 Pat Fenlon yeah. at Bowles, interesting. I, I know when they were... Uh, it was quite a protracted search for a replacement for Keith Long and getting a new manager and there was definitely a lot of mm. talk at that time that they maybe needed a director of football in there who could take command of the situation and there's not many more experience than Pat Fenlon when it comes to Irish football. Yeah, it's needed to be honest with you um, because you need that bit of a buffer between manager and um, board whereby, and this is at any club really at that, at that level, where you need somebody in, in football terms who knows exactly what they're doing, exactly where the club needs to go uh, in terms of general direction and this overseas as Fenla mentions in his, his statement today oversees the academy oversees the women's side of things as well so uh, it's a big job he has uh, on, on the table for him but hopefully it should clear up some of the messiness that I guess was in place around the appointment of Declan Devine which you know left uh, some people who were maybe applicants for the job a little bit unhappy too and how that process played out so somebody with a bit of footballing nous in place uh, there won't be a bad thing uh, Tony's been in touch big Wallaby supporter glad to see this morning that Eddie Jones is appointed as head coach he'll improve the team's performance even with the limited investment from the Australian Institute of Sport sadly rugby league and AFL received much more funding there you go exciting times ahead and the appointment has come at the right time in my opinion so rugby union is the football of Australia the Irish football of Australia Massively underfunded compared to their rivals. Yeah, but with the slight difference that it is not the most popular sport in the country. Very true. Uh, we'll come back to that, I think, well later in the week. Uh, yeah. Roy Barrett's comments as well in terms of the lack of funding. I'll briefly say, a lot of texts coming in accusing, like from United fans justifying it, but also like it's an ABU <coughs> response. You're only angry because it's United. It's exactly my point at the very start. It's like it's nothing to do with United. If this had happened with Man City, we'd be having the exact same conversation. And I don't understand why fans of a different team, of a team that this happened to, can't see that. As, because as if somebody, this goal had happened to the other team, they would yeah. be fuming. And that's just, that's your litmus test. Just think of as it that some, way and yeah. that's your litmus test. Somebody said on, on, uh, when the goal went in, if that's the law, the law is an ass. Like yes. th- there's no justifying it in terms of uh, one supporter, your supporter of one club or another. It's just a bad interpretation mm. of the law and needs to be changed. The entire interpretation, the bigger picture of the offside law, where you can be offside and not interfering, but still impact on that passage of play makes no sense. So that most Salah one where he's in an offside position, if the defender leaves it, 
mm. Salah's offside, but because the defender attempts to play it. So that it doesn't go through to Salah. Exactly. 100% offside goal, suddenly, by the way. Suddenly and that was then, Liverpool. But Exactly. Who so, I apparently love. But there's like, <laughs> anything like that where you can be in an offside position, the ball eventually comes to you, but because something else happens, you're not offside. Yeah. Is a nonsense. And we're going to be talking Everton in just a couple of minutes, Richie, but um, obviously a lot of stories about what's going on off the pitch. Yeah, Merseyside Police said today that no threats towards Everton directors were reported prior to Saturday's Premier League game with Southampton. Security advisors told board members to stay away from Goodison Park at the weekend because of safety concerns. Police, though, have confirmed that they are in discussions with Everton, adding they are aware of videos in circulation of fans approaching players' cars after the game. All right, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Time for just one or two quick stories, Richie. Uh, yeah, Coco Goff is going to meet Emma Raducanu in the Australian Open women's second round. They beat Katarina Siniakova and Tamara Korpach, respectively, in straight sets today. Top seed Iga Svantec, Jessica Pagula and Maria Sakari all advanced without dropping a set as well today. Daniel Medvedev opened his Melbourne campaign with an easy victory. The back-to-back runner-up beat Marcus Giron for the loss of just three games and will face John Millman in round two. That a tricky one for Medvedev. Rafa Nadal needed four sets to beat Jack Draper and there were also wins today for third seed Stefanos Tsitsipas and Felix Auger-Aliassime. All right, Rishi, great stuff. Thank you as always. Nice and that's.